Is that from the wall? Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be a, this could be a good episode. How far have you watched the Cowboy Bebop? Like three or four episodes. I don't know. Those are the best episodes. That's so disappointing. I know. Because they're not good. There's parts of them that are good. It the parts of them that are good are when they're just doing Cowboy Bebop, and also the best parts of the show are just like straight up. Well, I mean, like I just said, like they're they're straight up when when they're closer to the original, and also when they're just doing bounty hunter stuff because the um I, I it was a good idea to do more syndicate stuff and to do um and to like, give Jed a daughter. It, I, I think <laughs> I think all that's fine actually. Like I think all that is like like fine. Like there's there's certain things that it's a complicated. Uh, it, like it's a complicated thing to do to like write something for that was an anime into live action for a lot of different reasons. Like they, they, they just couldn't let characters be mysterious. Everybody yeah. has to talk too much. Everyone has to say too much about their past. It's ah, uh, there's so yeah. much about it I don't like. I, I mean, that's like the, they're it, it's understand. I think it's understandable. Like they they had to include more vicious and syndicate. I agree with you that they probably should have Lynn the um syndicate member could have Miranda Lin-Manuel Miranda would have been better at writing this um and I think that a cowboy bebop musical could be done um yeah because I don't know I actually do the music is great the music is phenomenal I mean I mean well well you could just they could just do you could just listen to a seatbelts album but you know, with, the, with like one of the fight choreography one of the weird like, things about this also is that seatbelts is so good and i feel like it was there's not enough seatbelts and that they're mixed really low like during fight scenes like there'll be like the hint of like a seatbelt song in the background and then you still hear all like the punches and like huffing and puffing too loudly and the the little quips and banter no, I mean, you you do have to change it. Like, obviously, I, I before, when I saw the, tr- the the more recent trailer and I was talking to a friend of the show, Galloway, uh, thank you, Ryan Galloway, and Bumper for the use of your music. We use the intro and outro. Uh, you can get it off the new album, Pop Songs, 20, Pop Songs 2020. You can find them at YouTube where you can get links to all their merch. Um, and one of the first things I said was, how are they going to do this in like, in like live action and for a regular audience, are they going to keep it like non sequitur? Because there's only out of, I think Cowboy Bebop is 24 episodes and 26, yeah. 26 episodes. And I think there's like four that relate to the syndicate and the, the spike story. And most of it is non sequitur. Like there's whole, like there's an episode mushroom hunting where like, Mo- like the cast all accidentally eats magic mushrooms and they're all high and then they they are just like all doing their own thing and it's a really like slow episode with like not a lot of dialogue and it works like the, like the, sh- the show does that a lot it like it, it just like has the characters go off and do their own things and doesn't try and tie it back to like doesn't try and make every episode move the plot forward but I figured that for a regular audience, or if you're going to do like a Netflix adaptation, that they would have to put more cohesive story in every episode. So like, I totally get putting the syndicate in it more. That's I think that's fine. I think that I agree with you, though, that like every time Vicious opens his mouth, like he's such a brooding stoic character in the original. And it that that, that mystery is like, and the name it like works because you're like how did he get the name vicious like why is he 
he's so horrible and and awful and like ruthless, which is what they could have called him. Which and, is, and in the and in the 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 TV show, he's like, "Go get my wife a box of chocolates." Yes. Um. Well, also the other funny thing about Vicious in the TV show is that he's like a huge, like like his whole reason for like raison d'être is um that he is if he is like uh, his dad doesn't love him, which is like there's so much you know i i don't i don't think i say this on this podcast but if i could have anything if i could just like fast forward and have put in the time and do it one of my all like lifetime dreams would be to like publish books and or like write anything like tell stories you know and it is so frustrating for someone who likes that kind of things to watch a story that is so poorly told and when and when writers like screw up core tenets of writing it is it's really frustrating do you know what i mean like there's something there, there's they do so many wrong things that like I, that like anyone even like a non-published or like non-incredible writer like myself could tell you like this is bad you sh- you can't do these kind of things like you can't just have vicious talk all the time you can't have vicious's motivation be that his dad doesn't love him enough like that's not an interesting that's like when you're trying to like throw darts at a board of like why would the character how are we gonna get this character to be motivated what's gonna make them you know what's gonna make them evil oh they they weren't loved enough by their parents okay there you go that you can't do that like it just it's it, it's just lame like it's you don't vicious doesn't need a reason to be evil he could just be a kid that grew up in the syndicate or like an orphan like spike is like you, you don't need these kind of things um so they do like all these other things that they don't need to do and vicious every you're right like i think that vicious in the first scene i was like this could work like vicious just kept like that like one of the first scenes with vicious is like someone says oh there's there was someone named fearless which is not even in the original um and that's supposed to be spike and vicious just like kills him for saying that and it was like okay this they, you know they could make this work like vicious is going to be quiet he's just going to be like brooding he's just gonna like murder his own people and be absolutely like ruthless and insane and like that they they could do this but then the more that they have him on screen the more he's like he's whiny he's like just wants dad's approval he like doesn't get things done he's not a good leader like it it just doesn't make any sense yeah that's not a video game yeah i actually the 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 one thing the thing i do want to say about cowboy bebop the live action uh, is that the visuals are very good. I feel like they could have actually done this right because there's moments where it shines through and I'm not an absolutely, like, I'm not just an, a, a pure 100% hater. And I will say, though, that the the last episode of this season does something that I think it, it is what I'm talking about. It is, like, a... It, it is one of the biggest failures of writing that I can ever imagine. Like it, it, it they do they do a plot twist that not only destroy, not only will change what this next season could ever be, and makes it completely unrecognizable as a franchise as Cowboy Bebop. It does something that like fans would have to detest, and people who don't even know it would probably look at it and just be like, I don't get it. I don't understand why you would do that. It's so insane it is one of the most insane things i have ever seen it is an, the most un- un- unearned twist i have ever seen it's bizarre horrible I writing to it. I, it, I don't I, I don't enjoy my time watching this. it is it I'm is it's it. worth writing i i, I almost like Alyssa recommend likes it. it he likes it it's crazy 
Has she seen the original? Yes. The whole thing. All right, hold on. I think I, I think that there is every reason to I, I don't think I don't want to yuck anyone's yums and I have heard some people like I, I've been reading forums on it because I'm so like I, I think it's also interesting I, I really like things that are polarizing like it, that there's elements of this that are so good I I feel like the uh, the set design and the costumes and a lot of the cinematography and the CGI and everything is like unbelievable like like i haven't seen cowboy bebop is one of my favorite animes it's probably one of the because it's really one of like 10 good anime that have ever been made it's anime is 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 a completely failed art form but cowboy bebop is one of the few that like still holds up and still does a lot of good things and i haven't seen it in a long time so seeing like some of the sets and like I, I, I said to, I, I was but a lot of the kind of stuff like especially in the first episode which I think is literally where it's the strongest like uh like I, I when I was talking to Ryan Galloway thank you Ryan Galloway and <laughs> bumper for the music music we use intro after uh you can get it off the new album pop songs 2021 20 where you can uh find you can find you can go to YouTube oh it's getting worse every single time that I wanted a like I like oh I want like the the clown episode and i want a casino scene and like they they start off like i think they start off pretty good like the like the set dressing feels right and especially people who like maybe people who haven't seen it before would just, like just see like oh it's just like interesting sci-fi take that is kind of in that star wars direction of like grimy future sci-fi and they, they do so many cool things and like they, they... it looks too clean personally actually Everyone looks too clean. I think that that's fine. I mean, it is the future. Like, like I feel like yeah, I, I, I agree that, like, that, I mean, there's elements of it that are, like, seedy, but, uh, but but people are pretty clean, and the set dressing is really clean. But I think it works. Like, I, I really do think that, and, like... And why is Sp- Spike into brothel? Explain that part to me. Spike, yeah. I mean, they do a lot of... They do a lot of things with the characters that, like, I don't fully love. Like, I... I there had to be more talking in this. I understand that. Um, but but some of the things that they give characters as, like, personality traits or motivations are kind of weird. There's there's one thing with Faye that feels like a unearned, like, uh, Faye has lesbian sex. I'm just going I'll, right. I'll just, to, I'll just throw that out there because it the way that it's handled and how she starts talking after that, I... Like, I have no problem that if anyone has listened to the show, I think they, they know my political point of view. But this almost feels like the way that it's handled almost feels like that cringy, like, like, well, we got to make uh, one of them gay. Like, uh, like that, like that'll make this immune to criticism, because then at least people then when people are like, oh, I hate Faye's character, it'll be like from a writer standpoint or from like a new agey standpoint, you can be like, what do you hate that they made her gay? Is that too strong or bold of a choice? And it's like, no, you just didn't do anything with it. Like, it's it's so weird. It's like, it's so unearned and so bizarre to, to like, and the, and like the way that it it is just like, it's just thrown in there in this way to be like, yeah, see, like the writers get it. Um, also, I feel like uh, I, I had to rewatch some scenes from Juno to remember how, like, I think Diablo Cody is probably the, the worst writer of all time. Um, I is could, that who wrote this? Diablo Cody is, uh, is the writer of Juno. And she makes the most like if you ever if you want to like do yourself a favor or do yourself a crime, um, go watch like search like hamburger phone scene in Juno, um, and 
it's too it's when juno finds out the whole thing is like it's a teenage girl that finds out that she's I pregnant think i i know there's, that the there's a scene where where juno calls her friend on and she's calling her friend on a phone that is a hamburger and they have the most awful awkward conversation where every line is like a new ag joke like like uh she like the the character's like oh is this juno where like the, the friend says that and she's like no it's morgan freeman i'm I, do you have any bones for me to collect yeah of course it's juno like the characters just talk so insane and then like she's like are you sure you're pregnant and she's like yeah for she is up the spout like there's every line of it is the worst that you could have ever written it and and this does that with Faye. like they make it so that every line of Faye's has to be a joke and you don't have to do that. Like, you don't really have to do that. Like, they, I don't know why... They, they do so much of that awkward writing thing where something is happening that's awkward and then they shoot... They, they cut to, like, Faye or someone and Faye is, like, looking back and be, back in between two characters that are talking awkwardly or, like, being romantic and Faye's, like, got this look on and, like, the punchline is supposed to be, like, oh, Faye finds it awkward, you know? Mm. And, like, ugh, it's just... I think it could have been... Here we are talking about it. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, I feel like it's worth talking about because I do like the original and I binge watched this because the beginning I felt like there, I, I, like I heard such bad things and I watched that like infamous diner scene that is like very Seinfeldy and uh, you can find it online with Seinfeld laugh track. And uh, did you not have something better to do? Did you not have video games to? There are video games to play, but I don't know. I just wanted to see. Like I, I, I like. I still liked it all the way through visually, and I wanted to see how it ended. Like I, I, I also really like the episode that it's inspired by. Ending on is the church. It's the episode in the church, which is a really cool episode. episode. Five episode. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that. Ballad of the Fallen Angels. I know the one. Sure. I'm a big Cowboy Bebop guy. Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy, that, you, know, you know what I've been thinking right. about is that why has anyone made the joke that ends in a punchline cowboy babimbop? Mm. And can I make it? You know, if they had gotten, <laughs> if they had gotten a Korean actor for it, which I cannot mm. name one, even though I should know some because I because Squid Game is the most popular thing in the world in 2021, um, then they could have called it cowboy babimbop. Is that something? I'll yes. workshop it. I'll workshop it. There are video games though. Prove it. Um, so. We we spent a lot of time just now talking about Cowboy Bebop, um, a, a kind of bad rendition, uh, TV rendition, but but a good one came out too, right? Arcane, uh, League of Legends TV show Arcane, which is currently the number one show on Netflix in the world, the the biggest, essentially the biggest series that Netflix has ever had, the biggest Netflix. Series. Is that true? There's yes. Squid Games. Okay, but this has a more global audience. There's League of Legends ever. You could look it up. This surpassed Squid Game. That seems unreal to me. I have my way. Continue with your words. Continue with your words. Uh, that, that may be false. So, so this is really so. When I saw this coming out, I, I don't know about you, but I personally had no like. I I couldn't like when they first announced there was a League of Legends TV show. I was like, all right, I'll you know I'll probably check it out. But watching it, I am I am blown away by this. I so it tells the story of two sisters and two cities and. If you've played League of Legends, I think that it's really fun to see the origins of some characters. Also be surprised by who some of the characters ends up being once they become champions. It's also with League of Legends, whenever I consume media around it, like whenever they put out like these videos where they're talking about like their esports 
like hero, like the esports players, or they do like the videos where the characters are fighting. You know, like the animated shorts and things like that that are like in, insane production value CGI. That stuff always gets me pretty excited for League of Legends, even though I'm not actively playing it. And I, I sort of felt the same way with this. I'm I'm watching it with Alyssa. Obviously, she has no background. Uh, in League of Legends. You, you don't need to actually have a background in it. Like, I, I feel like this is re- recommendable to anyone, even someone who, like, never plays League of Legends, because there's never anything... League of Legends is a is a MOBA, and, like, you don't get story from it, really. So, it's... I've, it... I've said this before. League of Legends, the video game, is the Super Smash Brothers of the League of Legends universe. Sure. It's so weird, if you think about what this is. League of Legends is just, like, a collection of cool characters that have cool backstories and for the most part nothing else what is happening in the gameplay of League of Legends makes absolutely no sense like there there's no rhyme or reason behind what's going on Well I don't League think like yeah like the the actual playing of the MOBA is not even can canonical right like you just the, there there's a there is lore to characters and there's a backstory but what you're doing is not related to like it's not ever happening in it you know what i yeah, mean Yeah, exactly which means that it it has even less connectivity than um super smash brothers does, where, where they actually tried to come up with like some weird stupid justification for why yeah. everyone is here. they even did that in heroes of the storm if you yeah. remember which was kind of cool and kind of fun uh essentially league of legends is someone's like it's like the most successful like deviant art thing where someone is just writing all this original content and they just instead of writing an actual story they're just writing they're just introducing new characters you know what i mean like it's just like they're like every like you know every like couple of weeks they're like i got a new badass grim dark character for my new oc of this like story that i'm that i haven't written but i have making all this this original content for my dv yeah so the league of legends team at riot they've been approached dozens of times uh, for movies and TV shows. Uh, and they've turned it down every time before now. Uh, they have the philosophy that they don't have a lot to gain if if it goes like well, but they have a lot to lose if it ends up being shitty. Just because I guess their studio is known for producing such high caliber content that if something went awry with these characters or if, if, it, if they presented something, it's the first time entering the... League of Legends cinematic universe, and it's it's bad. Then it, it would be hard to get that going and continue with it. But I but I think that Arcane it's a it's a good start, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of it so far? You've watched what? Three I've watched episodes? the first three episodes, and now I guess I'll watch the now that I'm I'm done with that. I'll watch the the, the last six episodes. Uh, it looks amazing. I think that the it got better every episode. Like the first episode I thought was okay. Um, and then by the third episode, I thought like they did some really cool things, very tragic things that I'm surprised that they, they went with. It's a, a darker story than I kind of would have expected. I, I thought a little, it would be a little bit more Disney and uh, there's, you know, not to spoil it, but they, they do definitely some disappointing, not disappointing, but like heartbreaking things, I guess with characters you, you figured that they wouldn't do. Um, Are there any, like, characters that you'd be, or, like, this is going to be an anthology series, right? So this first season is about uh, Piltover and Zahn. So, you know, we're, we're, we did get a lot of characters, but are there any stories or characters that you would especially like to see visited? I don't know. It's it's so hard to, like, I'll talk a little bit about the, like, there's so much riot shit just coming out of nowhere, and they're murdering it. But um, uh, 
I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much the characters that I like playing matter because the characters you like playing in League of Legends, again, like, that doesn't mean that their story is good. There's characters that I like aesthetically and I like their kits, but that doesn't mean that, like, I care about how their story works or, like, how they're going to fit into the lore. So there are characters that, like, I can maybe dislike and think, like, oh, the way that they're handling this makes me like this character more. Um, so there, there's nothing, like... Like, of course, I would... Like, if I had to guess... Like, like they have Jace, you know, in the first couple episodes. Um, and yeah. I like... And I've always liked Jace a lot. So getting to see, like, a backstory for Jace and see that, like, oh, he's this brilliant um, inventor and, like, handsome lad. And he invents... Uh, he's... Him and Victor invent, like... Hex tech kind of technology and stuff is is cool, um, and yeah, the Victor stuff is really cool. So so I like that kind of stuff because I I do like I do like Jace, um, but but I don't but again like I don't think that like it matters who who I who I like you know like I think that they I'd, could do. I'd stuff. love to see a story about Jace. That'd be cool. Yeah, he's an Ionian. And yeah, I feel like some of the Ionians, Ionians are the boringest. But well, you're playing a. Uh, another Riot Games game, right? I know. This is kind of why I'm saying this too, because there is a the, this just recently dropped out of nowhere. Riot just just throwing things out. Ruined King League of Legends story. We knew this was was uh, in the works for a while. It's ma- it's not made directly by Riot. It's like I guess it's made by Riot with like probably heavy intervention. Um, but uh, but the developer was Airship Syndicate who made. Um, Battle Chasers Night War. Um, and it looks a little bit like that game, too. And they also made, like, a Darksiders Genesis game. Um, okay. uh, so they're, like, a, a fairly recent studio. Uh, they have history-making turn-based RPGs. Um, turn-based, like, like they're, like, I, I believe they're a studio. Um, making uh, turn-based uh, RPGs inspired by, like, JRPGs. And um, so, so this is uh, a... League of Legends turn-based JRPG. So what would so I, I think it's fair to say that like you know when I, I I think I think I felt similarly with Arcane where when I first heard that uh, Riot was doing this League of Legends Netflix story that I was like I've played League of Legends and so part of me feels like I must watch this but nothing about League of Legends has told me before that like oh I want to see more story. Um, so I, I, I was like a little on the fence of it of just like, maybe it could be good. Maybe it could be bad. I don't, I don't have any stake in this. Like I'm not, I'm not clamoring for this. So what would you think of, you know, Riot kind of commissioning and working on a League of Legends story-based RPG? I didn't play it. So that's where, that's where. But what would you think? Like, what would you, like, what would you, I'm I'm saying like, what would what would your expectations be? Like, what what would you think? Well, they haven't done me wrong yet, right? With sure, all this but stuff. this isn't even Riot. Okay, well then, like, I wouldn't have an opinion on it at all, right? For going with that line. Yeah, I mean, they're using, like, League of Legends stuff, but... Um... It seems like anything... Well, based on what we currently see going on with League of Legends, it seems like they're being pretty, um, I guess, precious about the way that their, char- like, that their IP is being leveraged, right? They're, it seems like there is some quality... insurance yeah yeah quality control so to make sure that this stuff comes out well it's not even the only league of legends game that released in the last they also yeah there was a zigs rhythm game the hextech mayhem which is sort of like a a bit trip beat game where it's like a yeah 
So but, I have, but yeah, so tell me about this. I haven't uh, played that. This is thirty dollars on Steam on Switch, and I think on this ruined King game. I think it's thirty. It's thirty dollars. It's on Steam. It's on Switch. That's I got it on Switch. Um, just because I wanted something to be able to like, I, I wanted uh, like you, you have games you play on your computer. I wanted something to be able to play on a train and in a bed. And this is what Switch yeah. is for. I'm explaining why you would buy a game on Switch, but. Uh, I, I, you know, I had okay expectations of it, but I, when I checked out the Steam reviews, um, they were like generally all very positive. So I was like a little surprised, like, um, like, oh, people are really liking this, like basically unanimously. Um, so I wanted to check it out and I figured Switch would be a good platform for it. Um, I also heard on uh, Steam review said, definitely play this on veteran mode. At least there's like a easy mode for story normal that it, you know, starts out on veteran and then a harder difficult like a hardcore difficulty or whatever and they say like recommend like playing it on on veteran and so i did and so i bought it on switch and i put it on veteran mode and i am so impressed like uh i'm at the at the, i i guess i'm like 10 15 hours in and uh um doing like a lot of the side stuff it says i'm 43 percent through the story uh this is like a really ridiculously good game um it, it it follows it's mostly in bilgewater which is like a you know like the league of legends kind of like splits all their like riot kind of splits all their, their characters into these different kind of sects sect of of the world and bilgewater like it, it is the background for it it starts out using a lot of like misfortune is one of the immediate main characters and gangplank is like this enemy but the shadow isles like this like uh, the the mist and like the shadow isles and the ruin king are uh, invading Bilgewater and Misfortune's trying to keep them safe and the the other characters are kind of involved are Alawi who would a lot of these characters like similar to what you said before is like the 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 main cast of it is Alawi Yasuo Ari um, Misfortune Brom uh, Brom, Brom and Pike and I think and Yasuo and ya- I said Yasuo that. I think um, and a lot of those like wouldn't be my favorite characters. Um, they're not my favorite characters from from the League of Legends MOBA, and I don't know much about them. But they are more interesting, and they make me like them more because of this game. Um, I narratively, I would say it's pretty good. Um, I, I wonder how much it's kind of hard because. It, it it actually does a good job with writing and story, and like the the characters are simple but interesting and the dialogue is punchy and never overwrought it's one of those things where like i appreciate it when they're not making me go through tons of dialogue that's explaining useless things but it is a really interesting world and they do a lot of cool stuff with bilgewater and the different gangs there and they have some good lines and they even do that thing where the characters banter a lot and whenever you go to a rest spot the characters talk between each other which is a um thing that the developers are extremely horny for in 2021 you can't make an rpg anymore without having um rest conversations uh so yeah, all that kind of stuff is good but i am also like it's it's hard to say like i i wouldn't have thought myself a league of legends like ultra fan that can be um you know like giddy for like oh look at it. it's this is it's Alawi. she's um you know she's a priestess who fights back the 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 mist and and awesome! I I love League of Legends. Like I wouldn't have thought of myself as like having real attachment or like caring about like a character entering the story or anything. 
So it I don't turns even, out you love League of Legends. So I don't know how much of it is like, it's kind of hard. Like, again, like I, I think it's a better than serviceable story. Okay. Like, I, I want to see where it goes, but it's maybe brought better by the fact that like, I'm seeing League of Legends characters do cool things. Maybe that is, that is I, I imagine that is coloring my opinion in, in some way. Um, but really where it shines is like, that that is good, um, but the combat is great. And they have some really cool ideas, and especially on veteran, which I agree that you should yeah, so, really, really so have to play on veteran. So, what makes it uh, unique? What is the what is how does this differ from the usual uh, so, turn-based RPG? So the the thing that like jumps out immediately, and this was not in Battle Chasers Night War. A, a dumb review of an idiot on Steam said that uh, this is a reskinned Battle Chasers Night War, of which it is not, because I looked into this. Um, I read I read the reviews. Uh, but who is a dumb idiot who said that? And I will tell you because the the main mechanic that kind of governs a lot of it that you have to be thinking about and kind of like juggling throughout the fight is this mechanic that is based on lanes. Um, so every character um, and the character kits are great. They do they do a really good job transitioning the kits uh, from League of Legends to this game. They have a lot of the kind of like aspects of that kit and i'll get into that like how like why um like like uh like how they transitioned that into an rpg but um uh characters have instant moves that cost no mana and usually this is something like an attack that does very little that does kind of like little damage but maybe sets up a certain resource or something a character does for example like um uh yasuo has like you know a kind of basic attack that also raises his crit chance, and if he does three of it, then he uh, gets to do um, a more powerful attack uh, for free. Um, and Misfortune uh, t- targets her enemies when she hits them. She she gives them the tapped uh, debuff uh, when she does them. So it, when she does the uh, the auto attack, so you have an instant attack that instantly goes off. And this is like a um, this is turn based. It's not act. It's not um uh, active time or, or anything yeah, like yeah. that. But it is right up turn based. But kind of similar to like uh, it, like you. The important thing here is that you see the characters on these lanes. So instant goes. Oh, is the lane like front and back, or is the lane like left and right? So does this mean you have like a, a the lane people is in the front and people in the no, back? No, no. What it, does that mean? Th- this is going to be one of those things that like I'm going to have a hard time explaining. The, you, your, your three characters. You have three characters at a time. Um, you can't switch during combat. You pick them you before you get into combat. And uh, when you go in, like, there's no character that is necessarily in front. There are mechanics like taunting, which are really important because you're, like, DPS people will just get, like, one shot a lot of times by even, like, uh, uh, low-level, like, or just, like, foddery enemies. So there's stuff like taunting. Um, there's no, like, front or forward or any mechanic like that. Um, there are... You can think about it, like the way that I don't like RPGs do this all the time where they show you like who's up next in the turn order. Right. Um, like, like final fantasy 10 did this. I, I can off yeah. the top of my head, like you could see a line of like up next in the turn order is this person, then this person, then this person, and you can do okay, stuff yeah, yeah. and you can do stuff and like an affected. So those are what the, but the, the, so you're watching the, the characters come down forward on like a lane. And when they when it when it hits when the, the you know when they hit the leftmost part of the lane, it's their turn, and then they get to do something. There's instant attacks, which you instantly do, and then there are lane attacks, which aren't instant. And based on you know how powerful they are, usually uh, they have like a time to cast. So it'll it'll be that character's turn, 
and then you want to do something stronger that costs mana, that is a more powerful, impactful ability, and then it's going to put you further back in the lane, um, and it'll be like, you know, just a basic, like, oh, it's Misfortune, and then Bad Guy, and then Bad Guy 2, but if Misfortune picks, you know, uh, her, uh, like, Bullet Rain, like, Lead Rain ability kind of thing from League of Legends, then it takes a little while to cast, so instead of going immediately, bad guy one and two are going to go first, then misfortune. Okay, so that's how, like, the lane thing works, is, like, it is, like, a time-based thing. It moves you further back down the yeah, track yeah. when you choose something. There are three lanes, though. Um, a speed lane, a balanced lane, and a power lane. Um, so you can, whatever ability you're picking, as long as it's not one of the instant ones, you can modify by making it go a little bit faster, going at their regular rate at balance, or taking longer a little bit faster for like less of an effect the balanced version of it or the powerful effect which is like takes longer to cast more people are going to get to go between that time but it's going to do something more powerful and then while that's going on there's also a mechanic that like some fights have like hazards or buffs where like it, it this is going to be even harder to explain of like a part of it will be like you know if you can get your character to take their turn while in this space on this lane then they'll get a buff or maybe they'll like take poison damage or they'll get hurt or they'll get a debuff so it might work like uh you know there's a there's a crit chance buff on the lane and you specifically make the character like oh i'm going to make this a power attack so that it'll push it further back in the queue and put it down like in the, this deep, this like buff positive part of the box, and when it gets to be their turn, they'll get a, a crit chance buff, and then they'll go. If that, any of that makes any sense, it's a little hard to explain visually, like how yeah. how that kind of stuff works. But mainly, just like like in the most simple manner of speaking, um, whenever it's a non instant move, like whenever you're paying mana for it, and it's like these more powerful moves, you can it, it takes a little time to cast. And you can choose whether or not it's going to be cast quicker for less of an advantage or cast longer for more of an advantage. And you can also play around things where, like, if sometimes you can land the character's turns in these, like, little, like, uh, parts of this, like, timer of, like, where, where people are going, they'll get buffs or debuffs or something like that. So you can have fights centered around this mechanic of, like, oh, I, I want to... I wanna, heal everyone for a lot but i'm not going to be able to do that this turn i have to heal i have to do the the quicker cast version of it so i don't get this deep so there's a lot of like interesting stuff i feel like there's a lot of uh even in like fodder fights uh you're having to make a lot what of what are you fodder fighting against um like what are the enemies yeah yeah um it's in it's it mostly takes place in bilgewater but there's obviously this rune king it's like the mist is taking over so i've mostly spent a lot of my time either fighting gangs and like pirate dudes or misty enemies and like you know creations of the mist and stuff like that and like ghosts and stuff like that um so that's okay. like one of the the those are kind of what the the enemies you fight um uh it, this is one of those rpgs where it is not um uh random battles you see the enemies moving around in the world and uh you all the characters have like a dun have like a couple dungeon abilities um, it's like one thing that the character when they're in their party can do to affect dungeons. For example, like Brahm has a Poro. So there's sometimes where you see like a little mouse hole. And if you have Brahm on your team, he can send a Poro down this mouse hole to get treasure. Um, Yasuo can like shoot out um, a wind tornado, whirlwind kind of tornado, just like from the game and like affect um, 
uh, wind-based, like, things in the environment and get treasure and stuff like that. Misfortune can track down enemies and, like, find treasure. So there's these kind of things. And also, um, you have, like, the ability, some of the abilities uh, of the, the characters have. So, like, Misfortune shoots her, like, double-up ability. And while the enemies are, the enemies run to you in the open world, and if you shoot them before they run to you, every character has a different thing that they'll do, like, like Alawis, if you hit them with a tentacle, I believe when you start off with combat, they're like they the enemy has like lower haste, so they'll 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 go a little little bit less quickly. Um, Brahms, I think, like uh, uh, sunders the enemy or like starts them off with like concussion. And the the characters are really really cool. Like I I wouldn't have like liked like I don't like Yasuo, but like I love playing like having Yasuo on my team in this game. Like he is this like big damage character that you auto you do his instant attack a couple times like generate a lot of like crit and stack this this um this like wind mechanic and then you get to uh yeah i've played yasuo do something you get to, you get to do like a, a mana list version of this ability and he yeah. does like a ton of damage and it feels great and like again like these aren't characters that i if I was asking for, like, a League of Legends thing I, and I was just picking characters I liked or whatever, it probably wouldn't be a lot of these characters. But they do a really cool job with these characters, and it's all done very well, and their kits are great. Like, it was really cool how, how much, like, how great the kits are. Um, it's doing so much right, though, from, like, a, an RPG perspective. Uh, the... The items, there's a lot of items. There's, like, you know, a weapon slot, a uh, armor slot, uh, ring slot, trinket slot, like, all these slots. And the uh, items aren't necessarily just, like, better per level. This is something I really like, like, um, uh, when RPGs do this correctly. Like, some RPGs, there's no choice. Um, you just get the, like, like, you'll have, like, a level 10 item and the you find a level 12 item and the item always gives you attack stamina whatever it gives you the same things but this one is better and that's it and there's no reason to like you wouldn't sit around the screen thinking about like oh how do i want to build this character and but this game this, this game kind of does that this game actually does things where like i have like level 6 items that are better than my level 10 item because i care more about this character critting um or something like that um, and they don't, so it's not like a one for one thing. So you actually are thinking a lot more about your character's items. There's all these other things too. There's, um, a, a like a, a, basically a heroes of the storm style talent tree. Um, so as the characters are leveling up, you get these like talent points that you can invest in any of their moves. Um, so it's, this is like a, this feels like an awesome choice to make. Like all of the characters abilities all have like a little mini talent tree and it's kind of works like uh it, it last just, epic it just reminds me of last epic oh like a, yeah. yeah i mean like a little bit like that yeah for sure uh where like you modify that ability and it, it, it they do cool stuff with that too like from sometimes basic things like adding more damage to things like does less damage but adds a debuff and maybe you have characters that want to utilize that buff or you can use that buff in the kit so you're getting to like change the ways that your character's abilities work um through like a talent tree system and that feels great and then there's a rune system and the rune system gives you like passive perks and sometimes like powerful passives that like 
uh, like one, like uh, for example, like Alawi, whenever she does her instant attack, she has a chance to summon a tentacle, and then her kit is based a lot around how many tentacles she has. So Alawi has like heals or damage spells, and the damage spells do more damage with she if she has more tentacles. The healing spells do more healing if she has tentacles, and the tentacles also like in the beginning of Alawi's turn, just like auto attack enemies. It, it looks great. It feels great. Um, and her runes system, you can make it so that she starts the battle spawning one tentacle already, even though she normally wouldn't. So there's like a lot of ways. There's like a ton of character customization. There's enchantments. You can enchant the gear. You can, the gear has like, you know, the, the classic wow, green, blue, purple system. And you can increase the rarity of it to increase the base stats. You can add passives and stuff onto it. Like, uh, that make it so that maybe you crit more, or maybe you have more lifesteal, or maybe you have you have bleed on top of it. So there is tons of character customization, and it all feels really good, actually. Like, it fe- like it feels really good. Um, it, this is a game that's, like, paced incredibly well. It's one of those things where you do a couple fights, and you find a new piece of armor, and then you go and enchant it, and you're like, oh, what should I enchant for Yasuo? Okay, um, chance to bleed on hit, because all of Yasuo's... Uh, attacks hit multiple times so it's more chances to bleed and that works well with this kid and uh, then you get someone to level up and then you're like picking runes or for them or abilities for them or ta- like talents and stuff there's there's so much to do uh, there's a lot of extra stuff and like bounties like the game is very well thought out very fleshed out like this is a really phenomenal game actually and that's it, exciting to hear yeah and like it really like 15 hours in like I'm, I'm just like loving combat and um just like waiting to see what the next thing like i'm always excited when i get level ups because you get something cool out of those level ups and the bosses so far have been really cool like very mechanical mechanically focused very like really forcing you to like have an idea about what you want your team to do and having to play around it and i am really liking that it reminds me more of like Whatever, you know, weird kind of thing behind it, it, this game doesn't do a um, rock, paper, scissors style combat. Like it doesn't do like a Pokemon style, like rock, paper, scissors thing. Um, And it doesn't do a persona like enemies are weak to this element kind of thing at all. But it has a similar thing to persona where like even in these mild, even in these like fodder fights, even in like the kind of foddery fights, you're, you're still having to think a lot because like, a couple wrong moves and like like one wrong move and like you you could lose one of your DPS characters and you like don't want to just like fall asleep at the wheel and like auto attack a couple times you really want to like know how your kit is going to work or like you know anticipate enemies actions and stuff like that and they really What is the punishment for a failure in this Um I think you go back to the last save spot I ha- I haven't had it happen yet mm-hmm. Um I'm not saying that like veteran is not such a difficult thing that i'm like failing and that's fine i don't want to like lose a lot in a j in an rpg you know like that doesn't always feel great it's not like um it feels awesome to be like oh i want to redo all those fights again and the only thing that's different is like either i grinded more and got higher level or i knew that this boss had this mechanic and i prepared for it beforehand so i haven't had that happen the game is very fair about like like telling you like the boss is going for this boss you must work around this mechanic that we're going to give you um this debuff or something um so the game is fair about that kind of thing um and i haven't had like a full body party kind of like wipe or anything like that uh but on veteran at very least it like it gets close sometimes and enemies hit you a lot and you're really kind of like juggling 
your your health and stuff so you're you're having to like stay who are the healers alawi uh, is is a healer i love her in this game uh she is a i, I couldn't have told you anything before this uh alawi is like a buru priestess that lives in bilgewater um and buru is like her kind of like what is it like a what is the i'm trying to think of moana and her like that oh i don't know um uh like it's kind of like yeah like loosely like islander based like uh kind of background and she uh is trying to protect bilgewater from the the mist and she can like drive it back she believes in this like god nakaburos that uh is like this the the, the tentacle god that like kind of speaks through her uh that like idol she has um it's funny uh getting you get the armor doesn't show up on characters because why would it they're league of legends characters but the weapons do um so for right now my brahm has a doran shield a and it's a massive huge doran shield instead of his usual shield he has a gigantic doran shield um so yeah Alawi is like the main is like one of the main healers that i've gotten um so many cool things like i just love their kits like a like basically uh like you know like i i have mf i have yasuo and both of those are like damage dealers but mf is like a, a buffer like she buffs her party and sets and does like a lot of aoe damage yasuo is more single target damage brahm is a tank uh straight up has um taunts and uh has all these like mechanics around giving his party armor um and shields and Alawi is like a DPS slash healer, and she can do stuff like, and she has this the, the tentacle mechanic, which I love. Like she gets stronger the longer the battle goes on because she keeps summoning more tentacles, and at the start of her turn, the tentacles attack random enemies and deal a lot of damage. And also, Don't I know it. And also, she gets uh, all of her, usually most of her abilities get like buffs around having more tentacles. One of them is like a damage dealing ability where if you you can choose to make it like destroy a tentacle for an extra burst of damage and stuff so there's all these kind of cool things like i love the ways that they made the kits in this game like the kits feel really interesting um misfortune like puts a, a tapped debuff and then most of her abilities do something with that tap debuff whether it's like more damage or applies uh like greater debuffs and like she has the double up uh that from league of legends where uh, it hits one enemy and bounces to another random enemy, and if it kills the first enemy, it deals extra damage to the other enemy, and it applies tap to both of them and stuff. There's really cool stuff. Oh, she has like she has this passive. She has the passive strut and everything, where if, if she's not being attacked, uh, every turn she doesn't get attacked, she like increases her evasion and attack damage. So like the longer that she doesn't get hit, the more powerful she becomes. So you want to pair her with Brom, and he taunts. The, the game is great i i'm i i'm gushing for so long but it, it it's great like i i haven't i just want to play more of it and i have been playing a ton of it. it's phenomenal it's it's actually like amazing it's going to be on my top my game of the year list it's one it's one of the five best games that came out this year that's exciting well we do five we can I, do as many as we want that's the beauty of, uh, of us i've been playing a, a turn-based rpg on the switch i've been playing shin megami tensei 5 tell me about it uh, so as you probably know, Shin Megami Tensei is sort of the sister series to Persona, with Shin Megami Tensei actually being around longer. So yeah, Persona actually, Persona Three of, used to be Personas used to be called Shin Megami Tensei Persona Three. Yeah, so the Persona series sort of tacked on this uh, social element 
So Shimagame Tensei has the combat of Persona, but without any of the uh, like social links and things like that. This story, at least in Shimagame Tensei Five, is a lot um, simpler. It sort of takes a backseat to the gameplay. This is through and through like a monster collection RPG. Um, where you're going through like this vast open world dungeon. Uh, so far, I'm, I'm only in the first area. I will say that the set of the first area is uh, pretty drab. It's this giant uh, desert, like desolate city. It's like a, a giant sandstorm, like took out a major city. So you're traveling through all of these buildings that have been destroyed that are just like full of sand. It didn't, I watched the Giant Bomb quick look, and I didn't think this looked appealing. The the aesthetics of this first area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. I do think that it is cool because it makes your character feel very small. And there there's actually, like, a lot of stuff hidden in the nooks and crannies, which, which is actually a departure from uh, Persona because the dungeons in Persona, they were really cool, and they had awesome set pieces, but for the most part, they were fairly linear. There weren't really like side quests and things like that. But in this one, you're definitely picking up side quests. But uh, the main gameplay is very similar to the combat in, uh, where you are assembling a team of like monsters. So you have your main character, the Nahobino, which is a demon who has been fused with a human and has been granted supernatural powers. So you always have your player character, and then you have three demons, uh, which, similar to Persona, you are finding demons along the way, you are talking to them and trying to convince them to join your party, and then you're fusing different demons together, and you're sharing stats and abilities from each of them, mixing and matching, sort of to come up with the perfect uh, demon. It, it's a very old-school sort of RPG in that it, it is very no-holds-barred. They... They don't pull punches. Uh, there will be like trash mobs that if they get to jump on you, if they get a critical hit on you, uh, anytime that you or an enemy crits, uh, they get an extra turn. So they could end up like chaining crits together, like killing your party. And in that case, you get game over back to the title screen and you have to go back to your last save. Uh, there's no auto saves. So it, it can be pretty risky. Like if you're like, like it's very different different from persona there's not like this uh persona sort of had like this time mechanic where you're sort of pushing your luck and how much how long you want to spend in dungeons uh because you end up running out of sp that doesn't happen in this game instead uh recovery takes money and actually it, it made the start of this game sort of miserable because the first thing that i did when i got to my first checkpoint was i bought a bunch of items that i thought would be useful like i bought some like healing items, items that would like deal AOE damage, uh, items that would reveal the weaknesses of different enemies, and I gave myself like no money. So when I started to get really low on HP, and I tried to go back and found out that I had to pay money to heal myself, uh, that was that was definitely pretty rough. It, I, I think that the start of this game is probably the worst of it, and the more you play, the better it gets as you start to get more systems open to you you get a broader array of like party members the the like variety of monsters opens up you actually like start combining and creating your own monsters you're, you're sort of like min maxing and creating like 
the perfect ones for certain fights. It does feel like there's a bit of trial and error where you'll go up against the boss, y'all realize that the boss's weakness is ice, and then the boss will wipe you, and then you are sort of starting over again from the beginning of the boss fight, but this time you've created a party that is sort of specifically tailored to deal with um, that type of thing. And and this has always bothered me in, in games like this. I don't think that this is particularly a good mechanic. Yeah, I don't love that. I think that a better way to do it is there are... You, you see the boss early on, and then you see creatures that are similar to the boss, and you sort of learn a little bit about the boss through the like similar creatures. And, and I think that that's like a better mechanic than just you get into a boss fight, you realize its weakness, you realize that your party isn't set up for it, it wipes you, and then you craft the perfect party to deal with it. Yep. Um, that's exactly, I was talking about that with this with um, Ruined King, is that they don't kind of do that. And I, I don't I don't really love that either. But I do like collecting monsters. I do like sort of crafting the perfect party. I don't mind a bit of trial and error. I like a game to grind with. Uh, so I, I am digging it. There is also some cool like perks that your character gets um, as you're leveling up and as you're like uh, doing different like side quests and feats in the game, you're getting access to glory points. And glory points are like the secondary currency that you specifically invest in to unlock abilities for the Naho Bino. Because unlike the monsters and unlike Persona, in, in Persona, you have like your side characters who as they level up, their like uh, skull is always going to be uh, electricity and Mona is always going to be wind. In this game, you get way more flexibility because uh, your whole party is consisting of demons except for the main character. And the main character is using glory in order to upgrade their different types of abilities. Like uh, they're getting extra benefits on crits. They're, they get healing. If they have a full critical art meter, They you can expand your demon roster with it and you can make it so that if your your like electricity moves, your wind moves are dealing bonus damage. And then you can also take monster essences. So once you have a monster that you've like capped out its abilities, it'll give you an essence and you can uh, combine its essence with the Nahobino uh, to change his weaknesses. So if you're going up against a monster that deals ice damage, you can use an essence that'll make you immune to ice damage. As as a character trait, but it'll make but it'll maybe make you weak to uh, say fire or something. Um, so if you've played Persona, I, I would say that for the most part, in terms of the battle mechanics, you sort of know what you're getting in, right? Uh, it, it is a known quantity, but I I do dig the the monster collection. I like the world. I like the I like the writing. I like the subquests. And despite the first world being pretty drab to look at, there's a lot of things to explore. Your character moves very quickly and like jumps around. Like the plat, like there's platforming that like feels pretty good. It's pretty simple, but it but it feels good to like get around and explore this world. So, and I'm interested in seeing what it looks like once I leave the first world. I think I'm like I'm also like 10 hours into this, uh, which is not much. I think that this is like a 70, 75 hour game. So we'll see how far I get. What else have you been playing? <sighs> I've been playing so much. Shit? No, I've not at all. Shit. Um, I've been playing, so, you know, I got this Game Pass, and Game Pass is pretty good this year. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 released on it day one. So as soon as that game, you know, it's like a $60 game, so it's pretty exciting to get to try it out. It's also the kind of game where 
I would never have gone out and spent $60 to play Forza. But if it's if it's already included in like Game Pass, then absolutely I'll download it and check it out uh, because it's gorgeous. First of all, like it it looks great. It runs super smooth. Uh, I so I have this Xbox Elite controller. It's one of these like $200 Xbox controllers that's like very heavy. It's modular. It's a lot of metal and rubber, um, but it also has uh, different rumble engines in it where it has rumble in different parts of the controller so with forza it's really cool because when you're braking uh the the rumble feels what did they call this like hd rumble is what they called it yeah that's right switch but when you're like braking or when you're drifting like the rumble feels different than when you're going over like bumpy terrain and that feels good uh one thing i didn't know about forza is i never realized that there were two lines of Forza. There's like the Forza Motorsport, which is like the Gran Turismo line where you're just like competing in races, you're tuning your car and that's it. And then there's Forza Horizon, which is more similar to Burnout, uh, which I miss and which I love. Burnout Paradise is probably my favorite racing game still, where it is an open world and you're driving around the open world and you're finding secrets you're unlocking new cars. You're finding like ramps to do these like stunt challenges. You are, there's just a lot of exploration. And as you're going through it, you are uh, finding events and race events and sprints and things like that. And that's another thing that's kind of cool is that it's not just um, you're doing laps around tracks. Some of the races are, you are doing a sprint. You are getting, you are going to travel from like this city to this city. Um, Horizon is very much a game as a service where every week they do rotating events and their uh, community members, like you can actually create your own events and races and put it out into the world and people can discover it and race it and they do it and they are unlocking, uh, they're still getting currency, you're still getting everything. And, and it's interesting because it's, it's weird to think about a racing game as an RPG but in a way, it absolutely is because you're like leveling up your cars. They they have skill trees where every car has its own skill tree. And as you go further down the skill tree, it's giving you access to different uh, combo mechanisms. I don't know if you have any familiarity with like Forza Horizon. No, I didn't think they would but, have skill tree. But similar to like a Tony Hawk game, uh, there is like combos in this game that you get from... Uh, doing jumps through uh, going through rough terrain through just speeding really well, like maintaining speeds, like getting very high speeds, uh, drafting behind other cars and using other cars to slingshot. So you're racking up combos and the combos that you get are giving you points that are leveling up the car. When you level up the car, uh, you're, you know, you're just, you're increasing its stats. You're giving yourself money and you're giving yourself access to, uh, spins. The spins are sort of like roulette wheels that are giving you um, money. They're giving you more cars. They're giving you things like that. There's also this entire element of car tuning where you are like adjusting like the tire pressure. You're adjusting the brakes and things like that. But not only can you tune your own car, you can create tuning mechanisms for cars and sell your tuning mechanisms to other players. And 
All of the cars are also fully customizable with paint jobs and these tunings. So you can really take any car, tune it up a certain, uh, change the paint on it, and really have your own individual unique version of this car, which you can then auction off because the game also has an economy uh, where you can buy and sell cars at auction. Uh, that obviously they have different value based not just on the base car, the rarity of that base car, but also based on uh, the quality of the tuning and the aesthetics and the paint jobs of the car. So I'm really impressed with how much, like, with the quality and quantity of this game. Uh, it takes place in Mexico. It is, it's beautiful. Like I said, it has ray tracing. It, it's one of, you know, car games are sort of, famous for always looking great. It's easier to make a car look good than it is to make a human being look good. True. So being like the different weather effects, like driving uh, through these like, like beautiful areas where it's like raining and there's like, you know, you have like your tiny car. It, it just looks great. Um, it feels great. Like I think that the controller also <laughs> makes this game feel great. And I'm just super impressed. I didn't think that I'd like this game as much as I do, but it's also like, it's it's just nice to have these different types of very chill games. I feel like almost all of the games I play are, are not very chill. So it's nice to have. Nice. And it's not the only game as a service I'm playing. Uh, the new Apex season dropped. That's been really cool. They unleashed a new map that I keep calling Breeze. Nice. I don't okay. remember what the actual name of it is, but it is like this island, sort of like this very, it's a very tropical island map. Uh, I think that it's probably my second favorite map behind the last, which was this sort of like um, city in the sky, which I liked. Storm Point? Uh, the new Storm Point. Yeah, that's the name of the map. Uh, it's it's a beautiful map. The There's some new stuff in the game, but I play... I, I sort of go on and off with Apex, so every season that I come back, there's like new things to look at. <sighs> Sorry, go. Got a big yawn from talking so much. Um, this season they released a new SMG. It's the car SMG. The the gimmick of it is that it can be it can use both light and heavy rounds, so you could switch the magazine, and then it you can either have something that's more rapid fire, um, you know. Rapid fire, lower damage with the light mag, or heavy fire, slower bullets with the heavy mag. They released a new character, Ash. Ash, Ash. you are right. Uh, and her passive this, ability. This was I was reading. I, I watched a. Or I saw some meme. I didn't. I don't know why I said reading and then watched. But it was like there has to be an Ash in every game. There's an Ash in League. There's an Ash in Overwatch. There's an Ash in Rainbow Six. There's an Ash in Apex. There's a lot so of Valorant Ashes. Valorant is next. I know they got to add Ash and Valorant. So her kit's pretty cool. So her passive ability is that uh, she can scan a death box and it will tell you the location of who killed them, which means that she is pretty brutal when it comes to third partying. Uh, when when Ash finds you, you get a notification of like you're, you've been revealed to Ash. Her active ability is that she throws like a lightning tether. If somebody walks in the field of the lightning tether, they get stuck to it. And can't for the life of me remember what it does. Oh, it is a it is a short range teleport that opens up a rift, so her party can travel through it. So it's sort of like a wraith portal, but it's much faster and shorter range, and uh, it's open for a smaller amount of time. Uh, so she's pretty cool. I I don't think that she's the craziest character that they have unlocked. 
Uh, they also did some massive changes to Watson. Watson in this game has always had this weird identity of being this character who has a really high win rate, but has a really low play rate. Uh, I thought her win rate was low. I thought everyone, everyone, I'm, I'm subscribed to the subreddit and everyone just complains about her all the time and that she never gets fixed. Watson? Yes. So Watson's win rate is pretty high uh, among among the highest. And people have been complaining about, I, I don't remember what the discourse is, but I think for a long time people were asking for things for her. And there were times where Respawn nerfed her and the community didn't understand. And this season they were like, look, this is, this is the situation with Watson. Not a lot of people play her. And yes, we've nerfed her. And the reason is because the, the higher up you go in terms of ranking, uh, the more powerful she is. And low ranked players have no idea what they're doing with her. But as you get to Predator, she becomes uh, pretty powerful, pretty dominant. And part of it is because of her defensive play style and that uh, you know, defensive play styles at higher levels are really good. So the changes that they made to her uh, were sort of to make her more accessible and more fun, but without sort of raising the ceiling on what she can do. But it, it, it seems like it's a really sensitive thing. It's a similar problem that they had with Wraith, where Wraith had to constantly get nerfed in her kit because... She was so powerful, but a lot of her power laid in her hitbox, so not even in her abilities. So now they're in this situation where they're trying to uh, change Wraith's hitbox to make it easier for people to hit her, but bring back some of the power to her kit so that she's more fun to play, but also easier to deal with when she's uh, strafing. Fair. I, I dig that game. I think I've, I've I've talked about this multiple times, but I think that Apex has uh, the best ranked system out of any shooter. Um, one of the reasons that I think Apex has such a good ranked system is, first off, you everybody starts like pretty like from square one. So the people who are really good at the game are gonna excel like very quickly out of the lower ranks. And I feel like I, I usually get pretty balanced matches. And, and I think that the game is also more consumable and digestible because uh, if you have a match of Apex that goes pretty poorly, it usually ends really fast. Uh, you get into your first encounter, uh, you lose, you get kicked back to the title screen, uh, and you've lost some of your rank points. But when things are going really well, uh, the games are longer you're getting kills, you're lasting longer, and you're getting ranked. So it always feels uh, like you're winning more than you're losing, just because when you're winning, the games are longer. But also, since the games are like shorter than uh, Valorant, and they're shorter than like League of Legends, and because the teams are smaller, you don't feel like you're being held hostage uh, sometimes, or if it's like this game is doomed to lose, and we have to play this game that we know we're going to lose like that. That is always like a really terrible feeling in like Valorant where it's like you're in a ranked game. The score is one in 10. You don't want to surrender because there is a possibility, but it just feels like terrible. And it feels like that's not a circumstance that you find yourself in Apex. And that's something that I appreciate. Obviously with that, there, there are some issues with it, right? Um, Apex as uh, randomness to it. It has a degree of randomness uh, that you won't find 
as much in Valorant and as much in League of Legends. I mean, obviously there's like crit in Val- in League, there's bullet spread in Valorant, but in Apex there is the uh, weapon spawns. Yeah. So, you know, th- or, there and, like, is the sort of that. And stuff like that. Yeah, there is that trade-off of like, do I want to just go somewhere quiet and get myself geared up or do I immediately want to get into some combat? Because if you get into combat right away and you win your match, uh, then it's worth your time because you're getting uh, you're getting shield power and you're getting ranked points. So they have a system now where in Apex you always spawn with armor and armor always evolves. So as you deal damage, your armor evolves. So what this means is that it's always to your benefit to get into and and that's that that's a really good change, uh, especially early on because you could end up in the circumstance where. Maybe you drop somewhere that's uh, there's not a lot of loot around, uh, but you manage to get the jump on a team. Even if you're not geared up on weaponry, at least at the end of the encounter, you're probably going to have either blue shields or purple shields because you. And that's that's a good feeling. It's it's a game that keeps getting better. They they aren't afraid to change things. They're using their limited time modes uh, to make these meaningful and impactful changes. And the game definitely has more of like a, I mean, it's it's one of these games that it's not just about shooting. It is a sort of combat sandbox where a lot of different things can happen, where the grenades play a big part, the abilities play a big part, um, your positioning and the verticality and your movement play such a big part. Um, and yeah, it, it's great. I, I love just always having Apex. It's a game that I always feel is in a good position and then I can always go back to. And it's also one of the few games where uh, every season that I do get into it, I always max out the battle pass because it, it's, it feels pretty easy to max out the battle pass. The, it feels rewarding to do the battle pass. Um, and, and I think that's pretty good. And it, alternative to like Valorant where I, I don't always finish the battle pass. I don't think it's necessarily hard, but the battle passes don't feel particularly rewarding. Yeah, we anymore. are in a weird spot in Valorant. I mean, like you, you talk about this a lot, but I, I, I don't know why Riot hasn't done this. I know that there's some technical limitations to doing this, but it kind of seems weird that in 2021 and it's Riot that they're not doing something about this. Like you can only for every gun in the game, you can only go into a game with one particular gun skin, you know, setup. So um when you really probably should be able to like tie them to characters maybe like have you know like color codings or or guns and melee weapons that make sense with that character at least feel like they make sense and then you can um have like a more use a more diverse set of skins uh because right now um the battle pass skins are always that base level of skin they look good like a lot of them look really good but they don't have any effects whereas the buy the skins you buy you can put in that like that whatever the stupid radionite um, to make them have like unique sounds and animations and um, uh, like kill screen kind of things. So once you get one of those, it starts to kind of like invalidate all battle passes. At yeah, some point. and 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 you could see like there is this um, skin set that is in the battle pass right now that is perfect for Astra. Like if yeah, you it's are so if you're if you had this like sort of loadout. Absolutely, I buy that battle pass, and then I, I get those skins for Astra. You have like the current Mage Punk set that has like this uh, this hand knife that can be filled with this green electricity that would look awesome on Viper. 
Uh, I, I just don't know why they... Um, that's not even the only shooter I'm playing, so... I know, Halo, tell me about Halo. Halo Infinite, uh, they shadow dropped their multiplayer. Not so much a shadow drop because... Yeah, you told me the day before it was going to happen. You thought, oh, what do you hear? Do you think this is going to drop? Uh, Pringles. <laughs> the Pringles website uh, had a countdown to release for the game. Oh, that's weird. Uh, that's one way to about, do it. About five days before they shadow dropped it, they ax. I, I don't know what the disconnect was, uh, but but yeah, Pringles fucked up. So the other thing is that Bun not Bungie, but uh, the what is it, is it three four three studio or yeah, Halo is sort of famous for having a lot of tel telemetry and API data of available for for people to sort of understand like their stats yeah three four three made like infin Halo Infinite um and so there are a lot of people who make API calls who uh, pull stats and who were getting systems ready for when Halo Infinite launched, uh, they would have these like stat tracking and telemetry available for people to like understand their performance better. And they had these APIs set up and in place. And then out of nowhere, uh, their system just started making calls. Like it started being connected to something. And this happened uh, a couple of days prior to the release. Uh, so once those APIs started worrying up, people realized like, okay, so that Monday, it's, it's the 20th uh, anniversary of Halo. So they're probably going to release multiplayer. And they did. Um, so Halo Infinite multiplayer, uh, it's completely free to play. It's on Steam and it's on Xbox Game Pass. And it has a battle pass. The battle pass is $10, uh, but Halo is doing something unique. So the battle passes never expire. Uh, they're always available. That's pretty cool, actually. And when the next battle pass comes out... It'll just layer you, on it, or you... You, you choose. Uh -huh. So you choose which battle pass you want to work on. And that's sort of how it's how it's going to work. Man, that would be dope if you could just wait a couple of years, and then you get back and you're like, you buy the battle passes, and then you're just like, every game, you're like, oh, I got this gun and this gun and this gun and this gun and this spray and this... I don't even know what they do. So... It's Halo. It looks like it's Halo. It looks it's like... It's more than Halo. This is the best Halo's ever been. And I know, like, obviously it's the new Halo, but but it feels so good, actually. It's a combination of uh, the movement feeling super smooth, the the weapons, the sound of the weapons, um, the visuals of, like, the shields. And, and like, it's... it's I and, uh, It's hard to articulate all of it. Um, so it, it also feels like the first time in a long time, and I haven't been keeping up with Halo, but one thing I think is really important about this game is the weapon variety and the weapon spread. Like, I never feel like I'm in a position that I have to fight people with um, the guns that I have. I always feel like I'm, I'm close to some other weapon that's going to give me some other tactical consideration. And there are some really cool ones. So obviously the ones that you're used to are present. You know, you spawn with an assault rifle and a pistol. Uh, in ranked mode, uh, you spawn with a battle rifle and a pistol. There's the needle herb. There's the uh, plasma plasma pistol. Uh, but then there's some new stuff. There's like the cinder shot, which is a uh, grenade launching flamethrower. Uh, that sort of launches these like balls of like plasma. There is a skewer, which I, I don't know if this is like considered a replacement to the Spartan laser, but it is like this um, projectile that has travel time 
uh, that is like a javelin that will instantly destroy uh, any vehicle. I think it'll instantly destroy. Is it like the nail shot. gun thing? Or it's it, I don't know. It only has like one shot per. It's uh, it is the own one of the only weapons that is a one shot body shot anywhere. Um, there's the sniper rifles feel good. There's both a uh, the, like there's the regular sniper rifle that is um, you know one shot to the body destroys shields, one shot to the head instantly kills uh, at any point. And man, playing Halo. This is also the first time I'm playing Halo on mouse and keyboard after playing like a lot of aim lab, a lot of Valorant and a lot of apex, but because this game is free to play and because this game is cross play, because this game is halo and it's very accessible. Um, I feel very adept at this game. If you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I am landing like sniper headshots often. It, there is like something especially satisfying about sniping people out of vehicles, uh, that that is just like great. There, there is another sniper rifle that is a sort of like an energy sniper rifle that I think a headshot will. No, it's not a headshot, but it's pretty easy to strip shields. So the way that Halo combat works is that you have your shield and then you have your health under your shield. You regenerate health and shield when you're not near people. But as you shoot at people, um, if they have a shield, then for the most part, outside of precision weapons. Uh, hitting them anywhere on the body does the same amount of damage. So as long as someone has their shields, it doesn't matter that you're headshotting them until the shields are off. And when the shields are off, that's when it matters. So there are the considerations of like, okay, and if you're in a player match or whatever, you don't have your battle rifle, you have your assault rifle instead, then you're, you know, you're using the assault rifle to strip down their shields. And then you're just uh, switching to your pistol. You're shooting them a couple times in the head and um, the time to kill in Halo has always been higher than in other games. Uh, that is still the case here for the most part, but it, it almost feels intentional in a way. Uh, I, I've always had this sort of issue with Halo combat, and I, I felt this going into Destiny, where it always felt like if I get team shot, I'm going to die. And now that I'm playing Halo Infinite, I, it feels more like a Destiny problem than it does a Halo problem. And reason being that in Destiny, it's pretty, you know, there aren't a lot of circumstances that you have weapons outside of uh, your primary and your special. You, you could get your, you have your abilities, you have access to those, you have your um, the heavy weapons. Uh, but for the most part, you are working with like your primary and your special weapon. And for that reason, uh, if you're getting team shot, you're usually dying. And in Halo... It doesn't feel like that to me. And I think that it's a combination of the current time to kill in this game, uh, the access to different weapons and vehicles that are like ever present around you. And the, um, the thing that I haven't talked about yet, um, which is, I don't know what they're called, like accessories or utility items or pickups. Uh, but these include things like um, uh, a sensor dart, that will like um, like reveal the location of enemies to you when you like fling it. Uh, there is a grappling hook that can like pull people to you. You can use this to like um, get to vehicles really fast. You could like pull yourself to a vehicle and like steal it from someone. So if a banshee is like flying over you and you time it right, you can use the grappling hook to get to the banshee and like fling them out of it. Uh, there is like a thruster. Um, utility weapon where it'll just like you can use it to shoulder check people like instantly ship off their like chip off their shields and then just like headshot them 
There is a repulsor, which you can use to deflect grenade and to like, um, if a vehicle is coming at you and you use a repulsor, you can flip the vehicle. So there are so many situations in this game that make you feel like a superhero or like Batman, where you are actually taking on crowds of people, not just because, and, and obviously like it's, it's not just based on having good aim, but it's based on controlling the power weapon, um, using your kit correctly, using uh, the utility items. So it's a different type of satisfaction, right? Because it's not like it's uh, a, a, a spray shot, a spray headshot transfer between three guys. It's like, no, I, I had, I planned for this. I picked up the correct weapon. I used the weapon correctly. Maybe I stuck someone with a plasma. Maybe I used a repulsor on their vehicle and flipped it and then used like an energy grenade to sap its, its power. It's things like that. Uh, the maps and game modes uh, feel amazing. I think that these are probably the best multiplayer arena maps that I have ever played, maybe since Halo 3. Like I think that Halo in general has always had pretty good maps, but I think that these are the best maps. Um, and that extends to both the regular and the big team maps. Uh, one of my crit criticisms is that I think that there are only three of the big team maps, but uh, for the for the regular game mode, it feels like a pretty good spread. Um, lots of customization options. This is a free to play game, so it's unsurprising that you know they have really gone down the cosmetics route. I think that the battle pass is very dense. There's a hundred levels. Most levels you're unlocking two different types of cosmetics. Uh, which includes things like, uh, I know, you, you have a Spartan, so you have all the different parts of the gear. You have the shoulder pads, the, the chest plate, you have the, the head, the visor, you have the effects, you have the paint jobs, um, different types of accessories like a belt of bullets, things like that. You have the stances at the start of the game, the way that your characters... One of my favorite uh, things that you unlock is these, like, uh, AI voices, sort of when you pick up a weapon or that like, um, you know, you sort of have an announcer and you have these AI voices that act as like your personal announcer and they have different like, um, it, it's more than just the tone of voice. They actually have like different personalities and like playing with the different ones has been pretty, they, they like, they're well acted, the, the VOs. I, I think that it's hard to, I would recommend this to anyone. I mean, it's, it's free to play. It's, on Steam, the, the file size is small, and once you sort of get used to the time to kill, it feels rewarding. It feels good to play. And it's much more relaxed than a lot of others. Probably the most like uh, casual shooter that you could get in. That's pretty cool. I mean, and it is, a, it is a good choice always to make the multiplayer portion of it free, just to get as many eyes on it as you can. Yeah, so what So what do you have again? Um, What's your problem? I don't know. Like, I, I don't have anything particularly against it. I don't love, uh, I don't always like the arena style of shooter. I'm 30. I know kind of stuff that I like, and I like Valorant right now for my shoes thing. So what do you like about Valorant? Um, do you like chamber. how uh, people cuss at you? Um, no, because there's a amazing feature in Valorant um, where I can mute my teammates, and I always do. Do you play ranked? Um, I don't play ranked anymore, and I have uh, more fun, so... Do you think that you're done with ranked? Like I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think again? I'm. I have to be done with ranked, but like I don't have a drive to do it at this moment. Like I am playing video games more for just like my enjoyment, and I. I don't think I do a good job always separating my enjoyment and my my worth in a weird way. It, it's a really 
fucked up thing to start doing when if if you like i did this a lot with league of legends where like when i was playing tons of league of legends ranked it was like all i was doing it was the only thing a game i was playing i was playing tons of this i was if i wasn't playing it i was watching it um i was reading about it and i just wanted to, to climb but it, i put so much value on that that it just kept like frustrating me when i couldn't climb higher you know there's yeah, no reason to like do that. that to yourself like you're pl- like i'm playing this t- for enjoyment i have the most fun when i'm with my friends and i have um teammates muted because i don't need to hear what they're gonna say anyway and i'm just trying to have like a good so good time, do you, you know? instantly mute uh your teammates when if you they get talk into this in 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 league of legends for the most part i'll mute text chat right away no matter what and yeah text chat is useless i do wish that uh valorant had a more robust ping system and it is one of the it's another benefit of apex and of playing ranked apex like i said i do think the ranked in apex is probably better than the player matches um and i think that one of the reasons why that works is because there is such a robust ping system that i can just mute people and not feel like i'm missing out on understanding strategies calls or yeah I mean, so for the like most part, like one, it's important to know that like if you're until you get to higher levels of ranked, your teammates aren't going to. Do you think that someone in silver or gold is going to give you good call outs? Are you? No, just mute them. The, the, the amount of times like the, it, it's it's kind of I the way I feel is if I especially if I was going to play a ranked game with like four randos, the amount of times that I would get value out of someone saying like. Oh, there's an I saw an op on this 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 way, or oh, jet hit for sixty. Like these, the, oh, these are okay callouts. Or like, hey, they're rotating right now, and not just looking at the map and everything. The amount of value that I get from that versus the 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 amount of problems it creates when like you're alone and you're clutching, and someone's like, use this ability, look behind you. Did, did you hear that? And like they're doing this, and you're not able to focus, or someone says like one rude thing or something, and it's like, like why? Like it says like why and it's like do I have to explain this now or like like and then one of the the most important things is for to notice to note about any ranked kind of game is that you're almost never gonna give someone be able to give someone advice that they're gonna be able to take it actionably in that match like even if you can try to nicely type out like hey um. Uh, you shouldn't like wide swing this corner, you know, at the start of a round. It's it's one of the most it's common. Not worth it. It's one of the most common corners, yeah. and like, or, or like if you're trying to explain, like, hey, um, like I'm not trying to be rude, but if you're gonna pick Reyna, like you you should use the flash, use your abilities to get us in or something, and like you just like dry peeking and dying at the start of every round is like putting us one down. Maybe play further back on the map. Trying to explain these kind of things, like you're not going to get value in that game. You're going to annoy the person probably. Um, it, like any sort of like why, like these things just don't work. So it's like, why even, it's like, why even do this, deal with this system? Like if people want to be nice then and, and like be cooperative, they'll be cooperative. But for now, I feel like I, I basically just like mute someone if they're talking too much or if they give out like one bit of bad advice, then there's no reason to like have to deal with it. But um new new season they have a new character chamber he's one of my yeah, favorites which didn't release with the he didn't season, release with the with the yeah with which the season. was really awkward because i feel like it made the intro to the season kind of tepid and yeah, it was weird like, it was just a battle pass when the season came less out excited so like what, overall for the for yeah but uh chamber is phenomenal i really really like him i've played like nothing but him and i don't want to play anyone but him right now um he's a fascinating character he's really cool for the future of this game um he's a sen- 
be, uh, because he actually kind of competes with Jet in a brilliant way. I think that like Riot. So explain ha- this to fans of the show who are maybe not fans, fans of the show that maybe don't fully understand this. Is that there is a character that launched with the game that has been out since the game started, and her kit has kind of gotten better over time. It's like probably one of the higher um, skill cap, like skill ceiling kits in the game. Um, she appears in like 95% of pro matches. Yeah, right? she's like she is like, she is basically like, you can almost just think of like team composition of you have five characters, five people versus five, and one of them is probably going to be Jed. That's almost always, if it's not Jed, it's probably Reyna, and it's probably Jed anyway. It's like she's she's almost always on every single team. Um, Jet has a initial, Jet's abilities kind of seemed weak when the game started out. She has these like, she, she makes smoke clouds that don't last for very long and she can, uh, push herself up in the air, updraft and like get new positions or get out of the way. And probably where most important ability is her free ability. And that is she can dash in a direction. And if she kills two people, she can get the dash back. The main reason why, the reason why this is so ridiculously good is because the most powerful gun in the game the operator, the most expensive gun, is a one-shot body shot anywhere, or one-shot body shot or headshot. Um, sniper rifle, it's expensive. And one of the best things you could do is, like, get to a dangerous position that people aren't expecting and shoot and then reposition quickly. So Dash away. So dash away and then, like, uh, live for another day. Like, take one shot, hit or miss, and then dash to safety. And it's over time, it's proven to be, like, ridiculously powerful in the right hands usually the quickest reacting people on the team get to play this character and her ult is also strong too it's like it she gets these knives and she can throw them out and instead of, and usually in valorant when you're moving around you get your aim gets wonky but the knives aim perfectly so she has this she's hyper mobile that's like the important thing um so what you're saying is this chamber guy this new guy he must be a hyper mobile guy yeah, kind of. Uh, so he kind of competes with her in the in, in a way that like no one has kind of yet in a really fascinating way. He's a sentinel, so he brings something kind of different to the team. Um, he has uh, kind of like alarm bots where he like puts them down, and if enemies, if the alarm bot sees the enemy for like a full second, then it creates this um, this slow field, which is a phenomenal ability. Obviously, like it is, it it basically creates a sage slow at that location if the enemy triggers it and can't shoot it before it goes off so that's a good ability because they're, they're pretty uh visible for a trap they are like very visible yeah and they, and they give i think there's like a little like noise you know uh they have, like a little whir. they have a little whir when you're near them and if they go off then there's a little noise but the, but also they they do give a lot of information um if you're setting them up in like down a lane and you're wanting to you want to know that the enemies aren't going to go around you then it's going to go off and the enemies either have to shoot it or deal with it so similar to cypher you get a little message that says it was destroyed so now you know that even if it doesn't go off that like your trap was destroyed an enemy is probably around there maybe they're flanking you so that's one of his abilities his his ability that he always gets is a teleport kind of thing uh he gets to set up these two different um like pylons basically and you can teleport between them on like i think a 15 second it's a a fairly long cooldown but the idea of it is that like you can uh what what i'll do in most games is like uh if i get an op or maybe get like to a dangerous angle i'll set up a like a teleport spot in a safe position behind a wall and then maybe like at the start of the round, like run to like a kind of dangerous position, set up another teleport, and then take like a wild kind of angle. 
And then if more enemies pop up or if I miss a couple shots, you can teleport back. The important thing about his teleport is that it's, it's instant. That's like one of the big things that is really hard to deal with with Jed is like the dash is so quick that you like generally can't deal with it once it happens. Like the enemy can take that op shot and dash away without a lot of punishment. And that's kind of what the op is supposed to be punished by is like there's a lot of time between the shots. Um, so the, da- the, the teleport is really quick between the two spots. And the other thing is, like, he's super, he's super slick and cool looking. And his main kind of thing about him is that he creates guns. Um, so he, so his, his third regular ability is he makes a sheriff. Uh, basically works like a sheriff. It's, uh, but it has more shots than a sheriff. It's an eight round, like, revolvery kind of gun, an eight round like magnum um, that has no fall distance, like no drop off distance. So it's kind of almost like a guardian too. Like, and it, and it is a one shot headshot. Um, so, and it comes out, like, he pulls it out super quick. It is, like, insanely fast to put, to get up and ready. So, even if you're, like, you have a sidearm or something, you run out of ammo, he's, like, getting used to playing him is great, because, like, once you get better at playing him, which I'm not even there yet, um, I feel like when people get really good at playing him, they'll be good at, like, running out of, when you run out of ammo in a fight, and then you quickly whip out this, this sheriff, this, like, empowered sheriff, um, I think it's called like trademark, but um, it is super cool. Like his animations look amazing. He like throws down the, he like pulls out like a credit card and like taps it and it changes colors depending on what ability what you're gonna credit use. Card. Yeah, it's really cool. He's like an, he's very slick. Cause he's uh, like a gun. He's a guns. He's a, yeah. He's, he's he's kind of a gunsmith. Why does he have he's, to pay for it though? He is like a he he kind of reminds me of like a yeah like a Sounds neo like or something. He's more of a gun shopper. He's a gun shopper. He he, he kind of like he creates the guns out of thin air and it looks really cool. Um. So yeah, he has an empowered sheriff for one of his abilities, and his ultimate ability is feels just amazing. It, it is an op um, that that is a little bit better than an op. It fires faster than an op. Um, I think it only has six rounds, um, which is more than enough. Um, and if you kill enemies with it, it creates that slow field that his uh, alarm bot creates. So I just I I don't know. Like he is a really slick, fun to play kit. He does a lot of different cool things. He kind of works a little bit within that jet region of like being able to take a dangerous angle. And then if it doesn't work out, then you teleport back. He gets um, an op every couple of every five or six rounds or depending on how you're good you're doing, he, he can make his own op, which is cool because like the other one, the other thing that I really love about this character is that his fit, his kit does feel um, pretty complete if you're not using his, the sheriff he makes or the op he makes. Um, like, it, like it's his, his teleport is good and his alarm bots are phenomenal. Like it's great for covering angles. And if they go off, that slow field is like a death sentence. Like usually like if you're going to, if the slow field goes off and then you swing around a corner and that person is just like standing there in this like massive slow field, like usually it either, like usually you're, you're going to get a good shot on them or they're going to be stressed out enough that they're going to be like walking slowly and firing the same way that like sage slows make you feel like an idiot. Um, so he's good enough on his own, but then also like you're obviously investing into the abilities and the abilities last between rounds. So like even on a save, you feel like you've got a chance. Like you can pull out this this good this this great like uh alternate like improved sheriff. Um or sometimes even on a save, like it'll be like worth it to pull out the op. Um because like you're saving for next round, you'll have a better gun next round. So like he he is really satisfying to play. His abilities are fun, and I feel like 
in Valorant, you have those like kind of dips and waves of like how much fun you're having per round, per game. Sometimes you're having, it can be a good close game, but sometimes you're trying to save and it might the round might not feel that good. Like you don't have good abilities. And this character kind of smooths out the experience. Like he feels fun to play when you have a gun. And if you don't have a gun, then usually you've invested enough in the sheriff that like you don't feel useless. You don't feel like there's no way I'm going to win. Like you could still tap everyone in the head with this. I feel like this character is similar to Jet in that He's going to get way, way better. As He's gonna only going to get better as time goes on. When people get better at playing his character, he's going to be even better. And he does kind of like offer a route out of nerfing Jet to not being fun. It, I don't envy what Riot has with Jet. People like Ryan Galloway. Thank you, Ryan Galloway and, and Bumper for the use of music. We use the intro and outro. Uh, you can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. You can find them at YouTube where you can find links to their merch. Hate that character so much. But he's one. it's one of those things where... How do you deal with it from a gameplay perspective? People have a blast, and it's also really fun to watch at a pro level, and some of the best pros are, like, popping off on this character. So how do you nerf that? You know what I mean? Like, how do you nerf a character that is so enjoyable, that is kind of like this, like, um, you know, like one of the fastest and most wild and explosive characters? How do you nerf that? Do you want, you still want her to be played. You don't want her to be unplayable. So it's kind of cool to like release a character that somewhat plays in that space instead of just nerfing her. Maybe you could imagine a team like that is going, that is, maybe a team is playing defense first and they know that. And maybe they would say like, let me pick, uh, let's have our star player play chamber instead of playing jet. And then we'll get some of that style, you know, like we'll get, we'll have some of that jet style that like op and crazy positioning and quick teleporting, um, but better on defense. Maybe the, maybe that'll work out, and then they'll not have to nerf Jet. Yep. Um, uh, what other video games? Have in, you played? Importantly, we games, played right? Inscription. Oh, we did play Inscription. Which we wait we we talked about last week, and we said I guess we would just like kill it this week. So if we we want, this could be the end of this podcast. Uh yeah. So I guess spoilers for Inscription ahead. So you played through all of Inscription. Uh, I did. A game of three acts, or uh, more than three acts, if you. <laughs> I've been following what's going on with that game. Yeah. Um, um, so a lot of people sh- hold the sentiment that the start of that game, uh, the first act uh, where you're in the cabin with Leshy is the best part. A lot of people feel that the uh, second act especially is a little bit slow and, and drags. And it seemed like you sort of had the, the same experience. Yeah. Um, uh, I would be in that, 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 uh, that silent majority. Oh, um, but, uh, the, the, the first act of inscription was like, I thought was, inf- was phenomenal. Like they, like I, we, if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, the first act of inscription, which feels like inscription will ultimately be when you're playing it or what it kind of tells you it's, it is a deck like rogue builder, uh, ro- is roguelike <laughs> deck builder. I don't know if that happened, but, um, um, it, along the veins of like a slay the spire, uh, you are in a escape room, spooky cabin, with this insane murderous being that is almost godlike that you only see his eyes and it's got this great style and the cards you're playing with like sometimes talk to you and there's all this insane stuff of like like we talked about how the health works in that game is that it's not a set health system you have to do like 
five damage um over or whatever like you have to do five damage to your opponent but any damage it's a scale so whenever your opponent does damage they basically are like almost healing back it's you have to do five more damage than the opponent can do to you um so and 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 it does the and it's a card game that kind of one of the major mechanics of it is that it uses that um uh sacrifice style of like whatever Yu-Gi-Oh use this kind of thing of like you get a weak monster and then you put another weak monster down you sacrifice two weak monsters for a little bit of a stronger monster so that's the opening of the game and I really thought that like that stuff was really strong and that like Leshy was such a bizarre creepy being to be around and I also thought that the mechanics in the initial part of the game were like the tightest and so well thought out and the you it's similar to slay the slay the spire you, is you're you're doing this roguelite thing where you can lose twice or whatever that well this is not that's not similar to slay the spire but you're going up this path and you're you're sometimes branching to make choices like do i want to go here and upgrade a card do i want to go here and destroy a card to make my deck more consistent do i want to go here and pick a new card do i want to go here and have a special type of fight with a better reward those that kind of stuff um so i liked that kind of stuff the best and then the uh, midway th- uh, after that, it goes to a um, uh, 8-bit kind of game where um, you get to pick a starter deck of one of four types of different starter decks that kind of have different mechanics. One is like a kind of Hearthstone-y mana kind of mechanic. One, which it, one is which one would that be? Robots. There's a robot. robot. So so like the idea. Yeah 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 you're right. Like like yeah. the, there's a. There's also this element of, like, this live-action found footage thing of a person that is, like, talking about playing a inscription game based on, like, this weird, like, this company made it, kind of, but there's one of it, and, like, the the uh, live-action, what even, I can't even think of the name of that. Game Funa? Game Funa, but also the name, I can't think of the name of the floppy, floppy disk, I guess, like, is... Like, the floppy disk is, like, is inscription. It's like inscription and it's cursed and it's like killing people who are playing it or whatever. Um, and it's really creepy. But then when you go to the, once you finish that, the game changes speeds and it is uh, a, yeah, like 8-bit game where you pick one of four decks. One is the the beast and, you, and, it's, and it asks like, which of the masters do you want to overthrow? Um, one of them is the beast deck, which is Leshy is like one of the four masters. There's a death deck. Um, with like this witch that controls it, there's a robot deck uh, that is kind of like works like a, um, a Hearthstone Excellent. style of thing. Uh, there is a magic deck that works like you can only magic. summon, like kind of well, like yeah, I guess land. a little bit like land, but not exactly. Like there's basically like there'll be these gems, and sometimes to summon an en- uh, a minion, you have to have a gem out on the field, which is somewhat like m- magic, but it'll be like, you know, you put a weak creature down that has a triangle on it, and then because of that, you can summon a triangular uh, creature or whatever. And then the, the, the witch, I think, is mostly built around, like, bones, which is, like, the amount of minions that have died or whatever in your deck. But, um, uh, so, it goes to this kind of thing. I wanted to play the beast stuff because I thought that Le- Leshy was the most interesting. It was the only one who I kind of knew about, and I felt really punished. I feel like I've heard things about like how it kind of starts off as like a weaker, like that's a weaker deck. Um, also, because the mechanics change, they make a really dumb decision. I think the in the first part of the game, um, the weak sacrificial animals are squirrels, and they get around like a they get they they get around the whole like randomness of deck draw 
because in magic like you know your you, you draw your your mana your lands and you can get like screwed over by drawing only the mana you can get screwed over by not drawing enough mana so you're not able to play it and you're not able to ramp up um so there's these kind of problems and hearthstone fixed a lot of that with this like mana system that you just get more mana every turn um the way that that uh they got around it in inscription was that you could choose to draw from your main deck or a squirrel deck and the squirrel deck always draws a zero one like weak squirrel that you could use as sacrifice so you kind of knew whether or not like you wanted to draw you you needed more sacrifice sacrificial characters or cards or you needed more strong cards to play and when you play in the second part uh the squirrels are shuffled in your deck you choose whether or not to shuffle them in your deck. So in the beginning of, especially in the beginning of that, I chose Beast and my deck was centered around the original way the game plays with like sacrificing the characters. But there would be just time, there was tons of times where like I didn't draw any squirrels or I drew too many squirrels and it just wasn't, it didn't work. It was really boring. Yeah, I didn't, I, I chose the magic one just because I, you know, I figured, well, I already know what the beasts and the bones are. I have no idea what the magic is. So let me go for yeah, I kind of I do that wish was a I had a pretty good experience. I do wish I had chosen something different. I think that the robot or the magic one would have worked a lot better. Um, but the beast one is really bad. In the, is like at least in the start, the beast one is like really bad. You end up getting um, cards from everything and being able to build a deck that is based off of these kind of four. Each deck being based off a of resource, you still have all those resources. So, for example, like I had a beast deck that had some magic, that had some robot cards, and the robot cards work like. I said Hearthstone, where you, every turn you get a little bit more mana, and then you refresh your mana every every turn. So you could have like a deck completely built around beasts, but has a few strong magic cards. So like you're never like using your magic, and you're you have you're using these different resources. But um, the the style of it, I don't think is that good in the second part of the game. And um, it took a I felt like it was a little bit of a longer thing, and I didn't love it in the second part. I felt really disappointed to go from the Leshy cabin stuff that felt like this was what the game was going to be about and like figuring out what this thing is and like how to and what this thing is and what if it what is it doing and like what is this about and then I I feel like that doesn't didn't pay off when it went to the second thing. I don't know. And then there's the third thing and the third thing is like a almost choose your own adventure like you're moving around this map and it kind of goes a little bit back to the first style of like the insane more of an rpg this insane robot is like making you play the game the game and all of them each of the three different versions of the game are like slightly different the robots version of the game is like interesting because it 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 goes back to the mana that the robot does but it also has like these like interesting like a lot of the cards are weaker health wise but have like power you pay more for like abilities so like even some of the strongest cards are like two one so they can be killed by one hit but um have like strong abilities um i didn't think that part was as strong either um it, it kind of goes that part a lot i it, it there's a i think there's an interesting moment of it but i i didn't think that that part was as strong i thought it was a kind of there was a cool moment when the robot like tells you to go get something and then you see the other three masters saying like we have to um, overthrow the robot. Um, did you follow any of the um, I have ARG not... stuff? Um, no. Um, so I, I do you want to talk about like that, the way the game ends because it kind of ends in a cool way. Um, yeah, and, and then more stuff happened. Uh, you know, the game ends or seems to end um, with the employee of Game Funa breaking into Luke Carter's 
house. I wasn't even saying that. Him. Actually, I like the part before that the the most. Oh, you mean the actual the the part where the characters decide to delete them? Yeah, the the so like the the inscription thing is cursed, and this this whole card game has been cursed, and there's these four like demon masters, and um the last part of the actual game that you play, it like which I think does a really neat thing and is a really cool concept and like it has some really cool ideas like just being thrown at you at the last couple seconds is that the witch decides to delete the the game um and while the game is being deleted like the 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 witch decides like you know that this has been gone on too long like we shouldn't be doing this anymore this game is cursed and the right thing to do is to end all of this and as the game is being deleted you kind of go through all the worlds of the different characters but in the cool three-dimensional style that use all of their old mechanics and as it's as you're playing it they like they know the game is being deleted and the assets are being deleted it's really really cool like um so like you're in the beginning you're playing with leshy and he's like you know he's it's like this creepy feeling of like and the music is swelling up and it's like Leshy's like, you know, I'm going down with the ship. They're deleting it, but I just want to play one last game of Inscription. And you're playing the game with them, and as it's going, you see this bar that's deleting all the files, and, like, the scales get deleted, and Leshy's like, I don't care anymore. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we're just going to play. We may as well just keep playing, you know, until time we runs don't have out. To keep score, we don't yeah. have to keep score. And, like, you see, like, different, like, as it's going on, like, things are just getting deleted, like, assets are just being removed. And and it's funny about him talking about your cards. Like, there's a card that I picked up. It's one of the ones I use in the game. And I play it, and he's like, oh, I remember that card. That was a really good one. Yeah. Nice job on that. Um, so that's cool. And then you go to like the witch and she's got her own mechanic of like, it's a chessboard, and you're moving, you're moving a pawn around and going things. And she's like, I wish there was more time to play this, but like, um, like I had a whole, I have a whole idea for my mechanic, but like, there's no time anymore. Like it's getting deleted. And, and then you, like, you, yeah, you go to each of like the four kind of like masters and like play the game as it's being deleted. And like, even the last one, the wizard is like kind of sad. Like he's playing the game out and all the assets are being deleted. And he is like, just like crawling and dying and stuff and it's it's very it's kind of evocative and and weird and it's like kind of goes in with the weird art the weird style of this game of like kind of just uncomfortable making you feel uncomfortable yeah there's also one of my favorite parts of the game that's really uh understated it's hard to find is in the robot section uh, there's always this character that's been like off to the side the green mage in the start of the game he's just like a green bottle of goo um, you actually get to meet him in the second act, and in the third act, he like is another bot. He is like goo that lives inside a pipe. But in the second section, when you get to talk to him, he just talks about like how much he loves Magnificus and how like Magnificus doesn't seem to care about him and like nobody cares about him. And there's just like this bittersweet moment if you find him in the third act by doing this like puzzle that 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 is essentially like a three part puzzle where you have to. Uh, uh, runes but if you do it then you get to go to the green mage's realm where you see that like he talks about his one prize possession and it's like a version of the inscription game in which magnificus actually cared about him and like he has like this painting of him and magnificus and it's like really sad and it, it sort of lends to the whole idea of this game that like has like sort of feels like undertale in a way where it's like these characters which exist in this game like feel like living creatures like because of their awareness about where they are 
they sort of, you know, they feel like almost real in a way, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they respond to things that are happening in the game and on the computer and things like that. Yeah, the game does some weird stuff of like going through your files and like there's a fight where you have to like make a card and give it to someone who's currently playing the game and they do some kind of cool stuff like that. Um, And yeah, like the, and like Leshy in the beginning is very reactive to kind of stuff you're doing and the, the characters will mention, you know, things you've done or whatever and... Overall, I, I don't know, I, but tell me more about, I haven't really seen much about this, like the third, the the the, the fourth act of the game, I guess, which is like, there's a huge ARPG. Um, Do you know anything th- about the old data? No. All right. So uh, it's, I don't know all of the details, but people went to the coordinate uh, that um, Luke Carter went to, and there was actually something buried there. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was. It ended up that uh, the developer of the game, what is their name, by the way? Um, Daniel Mullins uh, also created Pony Island and also created the Hex. Um, and there is some crossover between them. Game Funa, the fake game company in Inscription, uh, is also the game company that created the Pony Island cabinet, I think. Um, so the whole idea of this like old data is that the old data contains an ancient evil that game funa who seems like an evil game company is actually trying to contain this daemon and they've contained the daemon within the old data in the inscription disc so at the surface level if you just play through inscription it seems like game funa uh kills luke carter because the inscription floppy contains information about a fire that killed uh, people at Game Funa. So you would assume that uh, they that they are trying to cover up this incident by killing him, but it turns out that it's like Game Funa is not necessarily all evil because there is this, this demon that exists in the disc that they're trying to contain, and that originally the inscription data, the old data, was found on the corpse of Hitler, and there is this whole thing of like... Uh, you can find Hitler's corpse in Act 2 of the game with the Bone God, and there is a lot going on to this fourth act, but it seems like it might lead up at some point to some content for Inscription where we get to see those other two variants uh, of the other two scribes, the uh, Death Scribe and the Magic Scribe, and that would be pretty cool if that's where it ends up. there were people who were sent physical items in the mail after cracking some of the um, more cryptic things in the game that would, that led to a um, web form that they could fill out their address and enough people found it that they had to at some point uh, bring it down because they only had a set number of the physical items to send out. I'm not exactly sure where the ARG is right now because it's still ongoing, uh, but it seems cool. I'm excited to see uh, where it nets out. And that's inscription. Yeah, uh, that'll be on some game of the year list, probably on mine. I think that uh, most original thing I've played this year. Yeah, it, it, regardless of how I ended up feeling about it, I think it it was a really really cool, unique experience. And the music, I, I loved the music, especially in Act One. Uh, yeah. But more broadly, throughout like throughout the whole thing, just a good vibe. Video games, am I right? Yep. Guilty Damn, we, we didn't even say anything about Anyways. Red Bull Kumite. Was so cool. It's the coolest tournament ever. Just done so well and uh, really like I don't know like a love letter to like the players of the of the game. Um, 
that kind of reminds me of, of something that I wanted to talk about. So did you watch the Valorant video that the, that they put out for their worlds? No. So Valorant champions. So you probably remember how every time worlds would come out, uh, League of Legends World Championship, they would release like a hype video for the esports. Of course, I remember it happens every year. So they did the same thing for Valorant um, with the Valorant Champions Tour, which is about to start. And they released this video uh, and the animation is great. Uh, because the animation is done by the same one of the same studios that they used to make these League of Legends videos, but the actual like arc and what happens in it feels really flat. And I think that it's because it's not about the esports. It's about people playing like it, it's just about like the individual's experience playing Valorant. And it, it kind of bummed me out that that right now. Maybe it's because uh, the Valorant team doesn't feel like there's enough story behind uh, the esports like teams. So maybe they just released this one. This is like the year one for uh, Valorant champions. And next year, uh, when we see what teams come out on top, uh, we'll see like tens throwing around like Jet Knight. Sure. Uh, but Red Bull Kumi, sorry, that's like not Red Bull Kumite. So Red Bull Kumite was a fighting game. Yeah, uh, it, it, I only watched the Guilty part. Yeah, they did a Guilty Gear, a Tekken, a Street Fighter. It was largely invitational, but there was a way to get in through qualifiers. <clears throat> um, uh, they were phenomenal. Really worth watching the VODs. Um, and, uh, did you watch every, uh, every... I watched them all. Um, but they were phenomenal. The, the, the Street Fighter one is very is really long. That was the whole day long one. Um, and uh, they, I don't know, just like they did like intros for the people. Like they they like called out the the players and had them come out with like uh uh boxing gloves on and stuff and they they had great commentators like it was a huge like love letter to fans like i don't know just they like the the whole event like had this great style and felt like way over the top and fun and just like a complete like love letter for the fighting game community i don't know it's just really well handled it's really and worth watching w- watching it really makes me want to drink a i know Red Bull has Red Bull is is so interesting. I always hear like they you can like you know uh, message them and say like oh I'm putting on this weird sports thing. Do you want to sponsor it? And like they're so loose with their money that like they're they're like down to do all these like and and like there's certain like you know niche sports that um are kind of like funded entirely by Red Bull in a lot of cases. Yeah, like, Red Bull is almost like a lifestyle brand. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they. Re- I mean, yes. Like that's the way that they kind of like try to they, like they really use that money to like throw it at like tournaments for things and uh, different events and stuff for like all different yeah like lifestyles like whether it be I don't know like whitewater rafting to like you know guilty gear or something um, and it's kind of wild that they like that they just like sponsor all these things and like let this let kind of cool things happen. That's I don't know. That's neat. They they handle it so um, so well. And then there was a trailer for Happy Chaos, and it was a bad trailer. The, the Arxis is very bad at making trailers. I'm finding out. I don't get it. Like I I I don't get why the the I, the trailer to me is inarguably bad. I I don't understand how anyone could think otherwise. Most the trailer is a short trailer that shows off like I think two or three abilities. It seems like there's probably more in his kit that we're not even seeing. Um and multiple parts in the trailer have like the characters taunting and like wasting precious moments that you could have shown and a lot of the trailer is like clips of happy chaos from the story so 
it really just feels like a, a, a an incredibly weak trailer of a game that has had fairly weak trailers for characters. Like I have no idea. There, there's a, a trailer should for a fighting game character should at least include like a combo or a setup or a mix up or something to show like oh this is what they think you're going to use this character for they this is a this would be a simple bread and butter combo or oh look at the, the, in this clip he's uh keeping the enemy fully across the screen by shooting like his gun or something he's going i'm gonna and there's a setup where the enemy like takes one hit goes into block stun and then gets frame trapped okay he's gonna be a full screen range character he's gonna be a little bit like a um what's her face elfelt valentine um something like that um to show you like what does this character do but in the clips of it it's just like he uses like one or two abilities most of the time like it just seems like the enemy is like not playing and it's like not doing anything there's no setup or real combo there's no yeah there's there's not even really a combo anywhere um you don't really see what his kit would even be about and then even at the end like he uses one of his supers and it the, the it ends before he does it so like there was n- almost nothing of value really shown in this like it is a true it is a teaser in the true sense of like the old-fashioned sense of like i feel like i know nothing about him and also, uh, yikes, I feel like they are not adding great DLC characters. Gold Lewis has, like, b- is somewhat interesting based on Gobo being a phenomenal player and winning Red Bull Kumite with this, like, under the low level character, or the, the, um, this low tier character. But the two characters that they have added have really not, like, set the world on fire or changed anything about the game. And they are both, like, incredibly niche characters that are probably the worst in the game. So, like, they are. It's weird. It's weird what they're doing with that game. Like this game is the most popular Guilty Gear ever, and it is like it, it got a lot of new people into fighting games. And I feel like the post-launch support has been like mad weird to me. Just like yeah, off base completely. Especially nope. considering that they made fighters. Yeah, they made, they made fighters. fighters. They they were great at making the characters that they made. Like sometimes they were mid tier, sometimes they were too strong. But they they were great. Like like it felt like when a new patch came out, you knew that like oh the new patches that people are experimenting this character. This character is interesting. And all also every holiday they would release new colors and new things. And like it felt like that game was supported better than Guilty Gear. Like I feel like this is Guilty Gear. This is the main Arxis, uh like flagship franchise there haven't been there hasn't been a new stage there hasn't been new colors the colors sucked when they launched and they suck now they're worse now and the fact do that you they think that maybe they weren't expecting this level of success no Why do you think this is uh what I, happened i could not imagine that they wouldn't think expect this level of success because they've been releasing more popular games people love their art style like tons of people play dragon ball fighters i feel like arxis is becoming a little bit more of like a famous name in the wider gaming audience than it used to be. And why would you make a game with the intention of like, hey, this is our fra- flagship franchise. This is Guilty Gear. This is what made Arxis. And let's not expect that much post-DLC, post-content, like launch or post-launch kind of like support because I don't think it's going to be that big. Why would they do that? They put so much time and money into it. It's gorgeous looking. It is like an incredible, it is like generally an, a pretty incredible and unique rendition on this Guilty year on the guilty gear formula and it's like probably one of the most like important fighting games to release in years and does like some good decent things for accessibility and style and stuff like that and yet 
it just feels like it's mad off base. Like I just, it's weird that we've gotten so many patches where like the balance changes are like, I have no idea who is making balance changes there. Not people who understand the characters. That's for sure. Because like weird shit is done all the time. in the balance changes that are like, why would the character get this? Why are you buffing Nogoriyuki again? He's been, he was been, he's been amazing since the game launched. Like they're doing all this shit that like makes no goddamn sense from any direction you look at it. And then they're launching fucking terrible characters. And, like, they're these, like, shitty niche characters that no one wants to play because they're way too hard to play and have, like, awful matchups and aren't changing the game in any way. So it's kind of weird that it, like, it just feels like they don't know what to do with it. It's it's bizarre to me. No, like, it's been, and it's been kind of a slow cadence, too. I feel like usually when games launch, they, like, to their detriment, uh, in a kind of a grimy way, studios usually have like months of plans that are basically already done and finalized by the t- time that the game is like launching. And this almost feels happy chaos. The way that the trailer looks, the only thing I could say is it really feels like the character was not complete when they made that trailer. It really feels like they were like, some of these animations aren't final and we don't want to show them to people or like we are not entirely sure what is going to make it into this game with this character. So don't show, show a lot of like him fucking taunting to, to like show, I don't know, show a lot of him from the story mode because I don't know what this character is going to do. It almost, it really looks like they're like beating some deadline with this character that like they have less and less to tell you on each trailer about what this character is even going to be about. I feel like the next teaser trailer is just going to be like, shots of biken from the story mode and then like maybe biken from guilty gear exerd or like revelator or something where they're going to be like this is what biken used to look like i wonder what her her abilities are going to be in this game like it's just weird it's i think it's mad weird it it it, for the game as much as we play it, it 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 sometimes feels like there hasn't been a patch even though there things have changed mostly in a lot of weird ways and like some things have shifted around like Soul feels a little bit more manageable, if only because everyone has gotten better and he's kind of gotten like a little bit more interesting in the samey. But like then you have other stuff where it's like, why are they still buffing Nagoyuki? Um, some of the char- some of the matchups are getting weird and like why I don't know who's deciding to change some of these characters. These characters, I don't know. All right. So I don't know. Don't ask me. I played Faust. I should I should play a different character. At least I, I I always say that like they're slowly making Faust better because when the game you know it's funny when the game launched the the idea the, it, it kind of felt like there was a good enough balance at that time that it was like Faust is not good. In fact, Faust is probably the worst. But if you look at the overall score, like if you look at the overall tiers, it probably is tighter than in a lot of other games. And like Faust can take games off of the best characters. Faust can take games from Soul, from Soul, and like you can put in a lot of time. And like, yeah, you're not gonna win them all playing the worst character in the game, but he still can get the job done. And like, it felt like that. And now they're just releasing bad characters where it's like, well, Faust is not the he's not the worst anymore. He's like a mid tier character because <laughs> they keep releasing shitty characters. Yeah, yeah, he feels all right. I think he's like a mature. Yeah, exactly what I'm saying is like they're making these shitty characters. And then there's like Zato who is like in the beginning of the game I felt like he he's good and like he's if not he's like actually pretty wild. It's like there's a lot of things that people can't deal with. And then over time like he hasn't gotten any changes any of the buffs like he's gotten actually like his changes have been insane. They're they're not even related to him at all. Like they they make no goddamn sense. So he like hasn't really gotten that much and 
because of it, it's like he's this middle tier character that is like slowly losing his grasp. He's like, I feel like it's just like he's slowly slipping away down to, to like as everyone else still gets these like minor buffs or like these tweaks. And then they have someone who's like at least makes like Eno patches. Like the Eno person on the team is like, yeah, we should make her faster and make note better and make this better. And like, it's like, yeah, those are all changes that Eno would want. That makes sense if you went to like an Eno um, sub, they would probably ask for these kind of changes. Like, why does someone know that? But then for Zato, they're like, let's make his guillotine cancel and slower. Who knows? This is a long cast. There's a lot of inside guilty. Yeah. I guess we're done. I mean, we're supposed we were supposed to be done because we were talked about a description last. WTDGpodcast.com. That's where this podcast lives. Uh, you can also find Twitter at sign WTDGpodcast for updates on when the show goes live. And you can find the show on your favorite podcast service, such as iTunes or Spotify, where you can subscribe to the Thank you, Ryan Galloway and Bumper, for the use of your music. We use the intro and outro. You can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. You can find them on YouTube where you can find links to all their merch. I have the album. I have the shirt. Thank you, James. Thanks, Ryan. I forget. We got nothing. Just there was there was it. something. There was something where we had it. But maybe we had it and we don't have it now. Never been a better time to play.